This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, before we introduce our special guest, I'd like to welcome my co-host for today, Mike Casey, chairman of the board of Ringler Associates and manager of our Chicago office. Mike, great to be with you again. Well, Larry, it's always good to speak with my friend from 30 years now. Well, uh, I would assume that since I'm in Boston and you're in Chicago, neither of us are very excited about this baseball uh, postseason. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to have been excited about baseball in Chicago for a number of years, of maybe 103 if you're a Cubs fan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, let's talk to our special guest. And today on Ringler Radio, it's Howard Nations. Attorney Howard Nations, president of the National Trial Lawyers, an organization composed of the top 100 trial lawyers from each state. Attorney Nations is a recognized leader of the trial bar, and he's also served as vice president, secretary, and treasurer of the AAJ, American Association for Justice. He's the past president of the Althea Institute, past president of the Belli Society, and also past president of the Texas Trial Lawyers Association. Also, he's uh, past president of the Southern Trial Lawyers Association as well and trustee of the American Jury Foundation. Howard, you've uh, had a lot of roles. It's, uh, it's uh, quite impressive. Howard also practices law in the great state of Texas from his law firm uh, located down in Houston. And during his more than 40 years of trial practice, he's tried many large catastrophic injury and wrongful death cases, as well as many complex business litigation matters. So, Howard, welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, Howard, it's great to have you with us. Tell us a little bit more about the National Trial Lawyers Organization, uh, its members, its mission. Uh, why don't you inform our, our listeners as to what your organization is all about? Well, the National Trial Lawyers um, Organization is a group of trial lawyers who specialize in representation of uh, civil plaintiff and criminal defense uh, cases. And we have chosen a, uh, a list of 100 of the best trial lawyers, the outstanding trial lawyers in those categories uh, from each state. The, uh, we have quite a criteria uh, for selection. There are actually 19 points on our criteria list for membership, but it begins with the specialization in civil plaintiff and criminal defense law. And then we look at attorneys' uh, reputations among their peers, uh, the judiciary and the public. We look for, of course, results in high-profile cases and jury verdicts, and and, uh, we do settlement research and jury verdict research. Board certification is always important. Um, Our nominations now come from our executive committee and from our editorial board members, which is a a very distinguished group. And um, we also have recommendations from judges that are on the membership panel. Then we have a uh, about 10 items on the secondary criteria list. 
it's a, it's a, it's a pretty impressive group. Yeah, this is Mike. Uh, you know, the membership is quite an impressive list. Uh, going through the website and checking checking on Illinois, my home state, it's it's a list of the uh, of, of the uh, top people I have dealt with for the last thirty years. Uh, the, the special invitation you've outlined it somewhat. Uh, there's a special invitation program, and, and how do you pick between all those things you mentioned, Howard, to, to choose those top one hundred? Well, they're chosen. First of all, it comes from the nomination. It begins with the nomination. And the list that you see in the front of the Trial Lawyer uh, magazine is the uh, the list of our board. And the board members and the executive committee uh, look for the people who would fit this criteria. And we look at nominations that are sent in to us uh, by our board members and then once, but but just a nomination doesn't get you there from a board member. <laughs> when we get, when we get a nomination, then we run, we do research on the internet. We do research with the judiciary. We do research in the of our other people in the in the in the state, and uh, we look at uh, results. But we also look at their positions, uh, what leadership positions that they've held. And we also take into account best lawyer listings, super lawyer listings, and that sort of thing. Uh, but fundamentally, have they held uh, leadership roles in state bar associations, state trial lawyer associations? Uh, but we're looking for the people who have shown leadership qualities, uh, who have been real, honest to God trial lawyers, who have who have been in the in the arena, as Teddy Roosevelt would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, and who have uh, emerged from the whole thing, uh, serving the best interest of of our clients and and the and the protecting the rights of of individual Americans. Well, judging from the list as I can see it, you've been doing an excellent job of picking the hundred best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the, the National Trial Lawyers uh, Hall of Fame is included on that web list, and there's some historic lawyers. Uh, I see. Clarence Darrow, Thurgood Marshall, Melvin Belli, Johnny Cochran, Gary Spence, and actually, uh, if I walk a block, there's a street named Phil Corboy uh, right <laughs> in front of my office. So he got some famous names. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Hall of Fame? Yeah, the Hall of Fame actually is a product of the American, uh, the Trial Lawyer magazine, and the Trial Lawyer magazine thought that it, it was time that the uh, they began recognizing in a Hall of Fame the people who have made great contributions, uh, true lifetime achievements, uh, who have done outstanding service uh, over their entire career uh, and, and really protected the judicial system, protected the rights of individual citizens, which is uh, basically our client base, and who have uh, been leaders within the bar and who a lot of them, uh, if you look at that list, have been some of the finest, not only role models, but mentors and teachers, uh, teaching others to pass along what they know to to future generations. Uh, Jerry Spence is a fine example of that. Uh, for, uh, and the Melvin Belli was another fine example of, of not only having the quality of uh, Leadership and the quality of being a great trial lawyer yourself, but but teaching others uh, so that you, we carry along the traditions and we carry the mantle of responsibility that we have under the Constitution uh, by passing it along to our to to the next generation. And uh, this list of uh, those people who are 
currently in the Hall of Fame uh, certainly qualifies in that no, regard. No, no question, Howard. And, uh, you know, these are legends. And uh, I had the pleasure of working with uh, just about almost all of them, uh, not quite Clarence Darrow, although I think, Mike, you, you once worked with Clarence. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> well, Howard, That's right. That was a big Chicago case. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Well, we understand, Howard, that the National Trial Lawyers, as an organization, is focused on training and networking and education. But it's also, uh, it has to be impressive to experience the collegiality among the best trial lawyers in the country. You've got a, quite a group there, and uh, I guess they all uh, contribute and, and all get along and all contribute to the training and, uh, of the lawyers to come. Well, that's very true. We are getting ready for a trial lawyer summit in um, which will be in South Beach, uh, January 22nd through 24th, uh, where we'll bring the uh, the national trial lawyers together for a very large conference on the entrepreneurship of law. Uh, will be this is where the type of brainstorming that you're talking mm-hmm. about really comes into play because, for example, there we're going to spend the first day uh, with some of the best legal minds in the country, and we're going to be looking at uh, facilitating, not talking head CLE, but facilitating among this group the ideas of the first The first thing is the entrepreneurship of law. How has law changed? How do we, uh, how do we look at things differently in running firms today? How do we look at things differently in representing our clients and getting the finances necessary to, to represent our clients, which is a huge problem always because cases, uh, cases have become so extremely expensive to prosecute. Uh, but we're going to do, we'll, we'll have a facilitated roundtable discussion. Uh, and we'll have one one uh, in the morning and then another one uh, separate topics in the afternoon. And that type of opportunity to get together with these type of, uh, of brilliant lawyers and share and brainstorm and really truly swap ideas is uh, is hard to come by anywhere else that I'm aware of. Well, those are a lot of great lawyers taking their talents to South Beach. Uh, that seems to be the thing these days. Uh, are you expecting to have uh – Coming out of this, some uh, capsule that you can give to young lawyers out there to tra- help train them in this process? Well, let me tell you what we are going to have come out of this. Um, we're currently in the process of identifying and forming two new ancillary groups of the uh, national trial lawyers. Uh, we're, we're forming the national uh, the Trial Lawyers Forum and the Trial Lawyers Roundtable. And we'll be having our first meetings at that uh, Trial Lawyers Summit in mm-hmm. January. The Trial Lawyers Roundtable, uh, in that they're trying to identify the 100 most influential trial lawyers uh, in the country. And the idea is to bring together uh, these minds and set an agenda of target topics, target subjects that we can do, we can form together to bring our resources, our legal resources, our political resources, our financial resources, all the resources available to these 100 most influential lawyers, uh, trial lawyers in the country, to accomplish goals for the benefit of the upholding the judicial system and trying to respond to the 
uh, attacks on the judicial system mm-hmm. and protecting the rights of individual citizens, which if, which are just in unbelievable jeopardy uh, today, and in uh, protecting the rights of our individual client base as well. So uh, that's going to be the trial lawyers roundtable, and uh, we're that's currently the the criteria selection of that is ongoing uh, as we speak. The other group that we're putting together uh, is the Trial Lawyers Forum. And the Trial Lawyers Forum is the same type of thing, except it's on the, uh, it's to identify the 25 firms, the law firms themselves, who are the most influential 25 trial lawyer firms in America. And that would be approaching uh, the same uh, issues and the same goals from a firm viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So we'll have the individual lawyers in the trial lawyer roundtable. We'll have the firms in the trial lawyer forum. And we're going to uh, try to formulate uh, the uh, plans that we can actually implement to address some of the major issues that are facing uh First of all, facing the country uh, with the attacks on the judicial system, uh, facing the country with the out, outrageous legislation being passed in many of the states, and and then uh, handling the issues that uh, affect not only our individual clients, but also individual rights of every American. So it, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm reminded that Mark Twain once said, uh, I'm not a member of any organized political party. I'm a Democrat. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so my thought on this is we have, if you look at the in- hundred individual most influential lawyers in the country, uh, if you can pull the, harness that energy, harness those resources, harness that talent, and put it to work for the benefit of, of all of us that that's a that's a big mission but that's that's the mission we're taking on yeah it's a, it's an amazing group and the power that it within the that group that you're pulling together uh can 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 have a lot of influence for the for the positive howard you've been a trial lawyer for over 40 years you've had an historic career uh and i i know that talking to guys with experience like you there's always memorable moments in your cases and i'm sure you've got many uh, can you share with our audience uh, what sticks out in your mind as some of the most noteworthy uh, experiences as a trial lawyer that you've had? The most interesting thing about being a trial lawyer, we do many things in, in the trial business, but it's the incredible uh, variety. It's the fascination of what are you going to be working on today. Um, I've had the extreme good fortune of working on cases, uh, some pretty and having an inside look at uh, some very important litigation. I started out. The first case I ever worked on was for for Hank Snow, the great uh, country western oh, yeah. singer. When I was in in Vanderbilt uh, at law school, I, I worked on Hank Snow's case, and uh, and we won on a brief up there, and we were we were uh, we were suing a, a a defendant out of Germany. And uh, we were feeling pretty full of ourselves. And the uh, my boss says, you know, so let me just tell you, son, if you can't win a case for Hank Snow before a Tennessee jury, 
<laughs> against a German corporation, you might want to consider medical school. Uh, but I got to, I, I was in, I got the inside look at the, at the Jimmy Hoffa uh, trial uh, for jury tampering. I, I had a wow. in, in-depth <laughs> inside look at the, uh, at the, the uh, Jacques Mosler murder case. Uh, and I devoted a, uh, several months to that. Uh, I was I had an inside look at the Muhammad Ali uh, trial here in Houston uh, when he was uh, arrested and, and tried for not stepping forward to to join the army. Wow, I remember uh, that. I've had uh, I've had a lot of exposure to a lot of a lot of cases, and, and as I say, when you wake up in the morning, it's like the fascination of. What am I going to tackle today? And the the variety of it all is just uh, is is what keeps you going. But I have to say, I was asked at a at an award dinner recently, what what which one client do you have that sticks out in in your mind? And and uh, I guess I surprised some people. I the the case I think that exemplifies what trial lawyers can do was one that I had as a young lawyer starting out on my own and we used to ride with the police we were doing a lot of criminal work and the the police investigators would let us ride with them back then so i was riding with a police investigator long story short a hispanic cook who didn't speak a word of english was charged he was arrested he was handcuffed he was put in the back of the vehicle and the case was all over when we got there and they had decided that he had murdered his employer and uh, I, everybody's ready to leave, and I wouldn't let it go. I said, "Wait a minute, this life's not this simple." So we got him out of the car. He, we, we got an interpreter. We had, him, we walked through the motions of what he, his version of the story. And long story short, I managed to find a the 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 actual round the bullet that that he said the extra bullet that was fired I found it in in the ashes in a fireplace where it never would have been found because nobody was ever looked for it. that supported his story and exonerated him on the spot I mean on the spot they went in and the police the the in the what would be CSI today mm-hmm. uh, is the guy I was riding with he went in and, and uh, they took him in they released him they let him go okay. Fast forward 30 years. Um, one day I walk into my office here, and there, there's a shiny new pair of custom-made boots sitting in the middle of my desk. Hmm. And it was a the young man who had brought them said, he called me and he said, okay, I left those for you. He said, that's, that's a fee. And that's a, a note of gratitude uh, because, you see, the man that you saved from a criminal <laughs> conviction was the young man who was single at the time. He's he's my father, hmm. and he since since you kept him out of jail and being wrongfully charged and so forth, he had six children, and he always talked about you, and he would never call you, but he always wanted to thank you, but he didn't want to bother you, so. Uh-huh. But he told us, he told each and every one of us the story of how he would be in prison today uh, if it were not for you. And we just wanted you to know that we, he just passed away. He just died. Wow. Uh, and so the family uh, decided, he said, I'm a bootmaker now by trade. And so I made those boots for you as a pair, uh, as a, as a, 
just a thank you from the family. And I have to say, that's uh, truly the nicest fee I've ever gotten. Well, you know what? Oh, you say you saved somebody's life, really. Is, is well, that that's the point. Is that the power the the power that we have as trial lawyers, uh, the the ability that we have, the opportunity that we have as trial lawyers to change lives and to to benefit individual citizens is really the nucleus of what this whole practice is about. It's what the profession is about. It's the ability to help others and the ability to help the individual citizens while carrying out our constitutional duties and protecting the individual rights of, of all citizens. So it's a great profession. You know, Howard. I'll bet those boots are still around. <laughs> you, you can believe that, yes. Exactly. Well, you know, Howard, that that's a compelling story. And uh, you've talked about some of the great benefits of, of being a trial lawyer. What are some of the challenges facing trial lawyers today? Uh, I'm sure there are many in this, in this uh, economic environment, especially. Well, the challenges face the challenges facing the trial lawyers today are number one, uh, tort reform, which has been going on for for thirty years now, and the uh, continued attacks on the judicial system through tort reform through the legislatures uh, around the country and through the uh, judiciary and through uh, capturing the minds of the uh, of jurors uh, through the the lies and the the, the uh, anecdotes the anecdotal attacks on the uh, judicial system uh, and you have to give them credit they have been very uh, they've been very successful with it uh, back in the late 70s uh, they began the idea that we have to reform the tort system. It started with uh, at a, at a uh, conference of the Insurance Institute. It was the first time it ever came up, and they they decided that we have to re- reform the tort system because, you know, we collect we collect billions of dollars uh, in premiums from uh, our insureds. And then they get sued, and these people are actually expecting us to turn around and pay some of that money out. So uh, the way to the way to get it is to attack the uh, the system itself. And the the key to success for the tort reformers is to attack lawyers, which has a wonderful byproduct because if they can attack lawyers uh, and and diminish the income of lawyers, then they can diminish the income to the Democratic Party because uh, trial lawyers have traditionally been huge contributors to the Democratic Party. And so the idea is to you weaken the Democratic Party by weakening the source of one of their sources of income, the other being the unions, of course. So they're, they're making exactly the same attacks on the unions now. They're attacking unions to diminish the contributions to the to the Democratic Party. And they have been very effective with it. Uh, in Texas, when I think of the rights of Texas citizens that have been lost uh, since 1988, um, and, but the citizens don't realize it, all the causes of action that don't exist anymore, uh, the, they've just obliterated tort litigation in Texas. And, but people, citizens never realize it until it happens to them, until they're That's the true. ones who are the victims of malpractice, until they're the ones who uh, are are raped on a on a on a property, 
and no longer have a right to to prosecute uh, for for that. Uh, there's so many things. Uh, they're the ones who are uh, who are maimed by by defective products, and find that they can no longer effectively file suit or, or recover for that. Um, and I mean, it's just it's been the total uh, obliteration of the system. And but and for people who are not lawyers, uh, they think of that in terms of well, that's okay, that's okay. Until it becomes them, no question about that. No and the people that, that I hear, the the people that I, uh, they, they basically wiped out medical malpractice litigation in Texas. And and Rick Perry uh, brags about that now. And Rick Perry has gone a long way towards wiping out tort litigation completely, completely in the state of Texas. I mean, it's it's just they passed. Just an example, they passed loser pay legislation. But, but it's loser pays only if the plaintiff loses. Oh. Now you think you think oh, maybe that closes the does that slam the the courthouse door uh, shut in the face of individual private citizens, and <laughs> and and uh, uh, Perry uh, touts that as being well. This is a this is a this will help the Texas economy if we let, if we close the door. On uh, if we close the door, the courthouse door to individual citizens. Um, so yeah, that type, those types of things, we're facing. We're facing the same thing at the at the national level. Uh, we're facing the same thing at the uh, the Supreme Court from the Supreme from the U.S. Supreme Court on down. Uh, as as long as they they've got uh, huge. Uh, Attacks on the rights of citizens and huge attacks on on uh, recoveries uh, for wrongdoing by tortfeasors uh, yep. coming out of the U.S. Supreme Court. No question, no question. You know, uh, there was a quote uh, from a famous jurist, John Fortescue, uh, that goes: a, "A jury of twelve citizens is the most powerful and efficient method of eliciting the truth." And, and I'm confident that you'd agree with that, Howard, 100. percent uh, and you've mentioned some of the challenges out there in tort reform and some of the politics, but we had a guest recently on to, that brought up another point of view that was a, a somewhat alarming, and that's the the economic issues that we're going through and how the 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 court systems are being uh, stressed. Uh, a story I think it was in Mississippi where they've actually closed the courtroom uh, uh, several days a week because they don't have the funds. Uh, to keep it open, and there, certain courts are soliciting contributions of paper and pencils from <laughs> from the legal uh, side. Uh, this, this, it's in light of the importance of the the American jury system. What's this economic stress going to mean to us? Well, this is this is absolutely correct. I have litigation in uh, in San Francisco right now, and. Uh, I'm involved in a multi-district litigation, and I had a choice of either going into the federal MDL in in Ohio or going into the state uh, cases, consolidated cases in California. I was going to go to California. I went to San Francisco, and we found out exactly what you said. Effective October 1st, the judge said, you know, I'm sorry, gentlemen, I don't think I can give you a trial. Because we cannot afford to bring in jurors, we can't bring. In, we have one case out there uh, that I'm associated with that is uh, the only 
case in the country set on this particular big, huge MDL. And the judge said, I'm sorry, I can't give you a trial because we can't afford to bring in a jury panel. San Francisco, I think they laid off 400 people in the judicial system there. Um, the uh, They're closing courthouses. And so, of course, that's all part of the strangulation process. Uh, part of this is contrived. Uh, in Texas, we have the opposite problem. In, in Houston, we have the opposite problem. We have this big, huge, magnificent new civil courts building. And we have... Uh, all these civil judges over there, and they don't have anything to do. <laughs> they literally don't have anything to do. I, I met, um, I saw a, uh, a Republican judge, a friend of mine, who uh, recently at a function, and I said, you, you know who's going to be the next victim of tort reform? It's going to be you. Because as soon as the legislature figures out that they've so thoroughly wiped out uh, tort litigation, that you guys are sitting over there with nothing to do, they're going to start eliminating some of these courts. So we we have we have spare spare time. <laughs> Maybe we should bring some of those California yeah. cases here to try. But it's happening all over the country. They uh, that that you're literally the of all places to cut back. Yeah. Right. They're cutting back on jury trials. They're cutting back on the number of days a courtroom will, a court will be open, and the attack on the the attack on the jury system is is were it not for the Seventh Amendment, the difference between us and, and England, we have a Seventh Amendment. We have a, the right to trial by jury as part of the Constitution, and the were it not for that, we would be an arbitration country right now. That the only thing that has saved us now in. Here, the reason I tell you about what the situation is in Texas is despite the fact that we have the Seventh Amendment and despite the fact that we have the right to trial by jury for all citizens uh, in in disputes between citizens, um, the the actual trials by jury have been diminished down to the point where our courts don't have anywhere near, anywhere near the workload that they had. Uh, 10 years ago or 15, nowhere near 20 years ago. Uh, And it's because the the actual trials by jury, not the right to trial, but the actual jury trials have just been obliterated. And they're doing it, of course, they're using mandatory arbitration Mm -hmm. is one thing. Uh, Judges order you to mediation. uh, uh, You have to go to mediation in many states, many courts. You have to go to mediation before you can get... Uh, a jury trial, um, and the uh, but the, the the success of tort reform has been the big reason here. But no, the jury jury the jury system is under attack. The jury trials are under attack, um, and the integrity of the jury itself is, is under attack. Well, Howard, you know, I think I think all of us that are in this business of of settling cases and involved in the settlement of cases uh, are seeing. You know, more settlements and trials, clearly, uh, maybe some of it as an outgrowth of what you're talking about, but also just the, the cost prohibitive nature of a lot of these trials. So so settlements are and mediations, as you mentioned, are really uh, in the forefront. And as you know, we at Ringler, for example, work closely with trial lawyers, both plaintiff and defense attorneys to help develop, 
unique financial solutions that that really suit both parties. Can you give our audience uh, your perspective on why it's important to your clients or to clients of many lawyers who are dealing with life-changing injuries to uh, consider things like structured settlements when they're when they're about to settle their cases? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, you know, back in this, when this whole thing first started, uh, this whole structured settlement idea, um, which be, began with the thalidomide cases with mm-hmm. uh, with, with right. uh, Spang- Craig Spangenberg uh, handling the thalidomide cases, um, the idea uh, of the structured settlement is uh, very, very uh, useful for the protecting the rights of the individual plaintiff. Because the uh, they did a statistical study a long time ago, a five-year study that was published in the ABA Journal, and they they found that the most people who had windfall income that doesn't mean jury verdicts; it means anything. You win the lot, the lottery, your rich uncle dies, whatever. That most people who had a windfall income. Um, at the end of a five-year period and windfall of, of income of $100,000 or more, which was the criterion back then, what this was 30 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that at the end of, of uh, five years, most of those people had nothing, nothing right. to show for it. The overwhelming majority of those people had nothing to show for it. One that they didn't have the 100000 they had nothing to show for it. Because people go through, you acquire more new relatives that you never knew you had when you you get cash. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and so, so this the system was devised for for structuring settlements in such a way that the money would always be there. You would be you could have the the safety net of uh, having regular payments uh, throughout your uh, uh, for a lifetime, twenty years certain in life, whatever period uh, you desire. Uh, and that it, it would be tax-free income, and that's that's a big key to it. Is that mm-hmm. it's it's big it's tax-free income, and the and the certainty that's going to be there is achieved by placing it with a safe financial institution, and so that that is so much better than giving a large sum of cash to individuals who have never handled a large sum of cash, and. Uh, they you can it, it just they they go through it they simply go through it and then they end up three or four or five years later they still have the permanent injury right. but they don't have the way to handle it so this I, I spoke I wrote a book on it many years ago when it, when this whole thing first started it was very confusing to plaintiff's lawyers so I wrote a book for primarily for plaintiff's lawyers um, explaining all this and explaining why we should be using structured settlements and how we should be using structured settlements. And I even predicted back then, and I used to speak on this subject frequently, and I predicted back then that the day would come when it would be there, it would be legal malpractice for a lawyer to fail to advise a client of the option of a structured settlement. And that, in fact, has occurred. There have been legal, there have been verdicts now in legal malpractice where a a lawyer was found liable, mm-hmm. responsible for right. for their failure to advise uh, of the uh, option of a structured settlement. So we we advise uh, of that option in in every situation, every case, um, and just to see if the if the option is there. And we tell the we tell the clients the advantages of it. 
And the biggest single advantage of structured settlement, aside from the fact that protection of the assets, uh, tax-free income, and the it, it, but the biggest advantage I've found over the years has been the absolute uh, choices that you have because how you receive the funds, how you structure the settlement is a function of your own imagination. Uh, you can you figure out exactly what the needs are to the to the extent that you can, and if there's a need coming up in the future and you've got the money, that then you can find a a vehicle within a structure that will cover it. So it's it's the total flexibility of the ability to structure a settlement. It's not just going out and buying an annuity and getting money uh, for the rest of your life. It's the ability to the flexibility of how you can set up college funds for the kids, how you can set up funds for basically anything you want. Um, it's, that's, that's the advantage of it. So, yes, I'm a, obviously a big proponent of them. It's amazing, way. isn't it, Larry, that the best of the best trial lawyers have such a solid understanding. Uh, of I was going to say, Mike, that's about If you as needed as another career, Howard, I think you're not that you Yeah, did. that's <laughs> about as good. Like you got good to have one. It's about as good an endorsement as I've heard of structured settlements uh, in a long, long time. And, uh, you know, I think that book you wrote, uh, I think you might want to think about Doing a second printing, I think that 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 sounds that sounds re- really really good. You know, uh, let's take a quick short break right now and uh, come right back with Attorney Howard Nations and of course with Mike Casey, and we'll talk more about the National Trial Lawyers. But uh, we'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to legaltalknetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to westlegaledcenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Think you might like to have us create your own podcast on legaltalknetwork.com? Go to the website and send us an email. Or just give us a call at 781-551-9960. It's the best move you'll make in legal marketing. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. 
My co-host today is Mike Casey, my Ringler colleague out of the Chicago office. And also joining us is our special guest, Attorney Howard Nations, president of the National Trial Lawyers from down in Houston, Texas. Howard, what would you say are the top three issues on the horizon for the uh, National Trial Lawyers, uh, for your organization? The top three issues that we're facing, and of course we're we're going to following up on on the discussion we had about the Trial Lawyers Forum and the Trial Lawyers Mm -hmm. Roundtable, is we're going to be identifying what we think are the most uh, crucial issues on which we can have an impact. Uh, the overriding issue is the protection of the judicial system. Mm-hmm. Uh, our justice system is is in jeopardy with things such as I mentioned the uh, the ridiculous legislation that's being passed, uh, slamming the courthouse door in the face of the average citizen, uh, with things like uh, legislation like loser pays things of that nature. So our overriding issue is protecting the judicial system. Uh, And then uh, within that context, we have the issue of uh, influencing legislation. We've got to have our impact on legislation. We need input. Uh, We need to stop things like loser pays at the legislative level. uh, so we're going to be looking at how we can impact uh, legislation by bringing together the most influential uh, trial lawyers in the country mm-hmm. and trying to focus on uh, legislation both on the federal level and on the and on the state level. And I'll say in that regard that that we work closely with the American Association for Justice. Uh, the uh, we work the every person who is a uh, an executive uh, committee member of the national trial lawyers is also a uh, a member of the AAJ leaders forum. Uh, we we work with the leaders forum in the American Association for Justice uh, in in working in the lobbying that they do in in Congress in trying to. Protect the um, protect the rights of the individual citizens, and we also are each uh, very substantial contributors to AAJ. So we're we're working both with the National Trial Lawyers and the Trial Lawyers Forum and the Trial Lawyers Roundtable and the American Association for Justice. You know, it's good good you raise that point because uh, I was going to ask you whether or not you have one single basic voice or message. It's tough uh, when you're lobbying Washington if you're coming at it with disparate voices and disparate messages. It sounds to me like you've kind of coalesced around uh, one or two messages and you're going to be bringing that to bear. Absolutely. And and no one does. Uh, no one represents uh, the voice of the individual citizen and protecting individual rights at the courthouse better than the American Association uh, for Justice. And I mean, they've been doing it for uh, all these for, for 60, 70 years and uh, and doing it very effectively for 60 or 70 years. And but we've never needed it more than we need it now. So and then we're we're having to, uh, in addition to the federal legislation, of course, we have to do what we can to protect rights of individual citizens on uh, on state levels at state legislatures, because that's uh, a lot a lot of damage is done, and a lot most tort reform that has been passed has been passed at the at the state level, and then there's the uh, the media, the perception. 
the tri- the perception about trial lawyers. You know, if, if we want to do something more about, I don't know if you saw uh, Hot Coffee, the documentary that's recently released. If you haven't seen it, you should. Uh, Hot like Coffee, the McDonald's is, case. Yes, Hot mm-hmm. Coffee is the documentary that was recently done uh, concerning the McDonald's case. And it's, it should have been done 30 years ago. And the reason it wasn't done 30 years ago is because we didn't make it happen 30 years ago. This should have been done. No facts have changed. Nothing new has been discovered. All this information was there uh, at, at the time. But it, nobody ever pulled it together mm-hmm. uh, the way it's been pulled together and presented now. And so that type of thing... Uh, when the tort reform will not stand, it won't withstand uh, the the uh, daylight. When you bring the truth, you take all these anecdotes apart, and they have been extremely successful in anecdotal evidence, which is a true oxymoron. Uh, <laughs> but they have they've built tort reform on anecdotes. And when we take those anecdotes apart and show the true facts behind those and educate the public on them and educate the judiciary on them, it becomes, um, it, we have friends on our side then. Yeah. And I mean, it's a hard thing to do. And, and But we're going to see what can be done uh, along those lines. But the more immediate need is unquestionably um, is unquestionably protection in the legislative halls and and in politics. It's well, got I'm, to be political influence. I'm sure that's, uh, as you said, right high in your agenda, and uh, we'll we'll be looking forward to seeing uh, the kind of impact you can have as you go through the next uh, next year. You know, Howard, this is Mike. Uh, I had uh, a comment and then a, a final question for you, but the comment I have to make is that I agree with you that the efforts on tort reform have taken an approach of, to some extent, villainizing personal injury attorneys. And and being in this business for 30 years, I have to make the comment that I have never seen a group of professionals more willing to give back to the community than the trial lawyers associations across. At least I know it's here in Illinois and I see it all over the country. Sure. And it's uh, it's it's discouraging for me to see people who are willing to give their time, effort and money to 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 help society and then see them villainized. But that's just the comment. That's mm-hmm. my Casey opinion. Uh, it's, I, you have been a, an extremely successful trial lawyer for 40 years. In fact, you've taught thousands and thousands of others how to be a, an effective trial lawyer. Uh, I'd be interested in you. It's really three questions. What makes being a trial lawyer so satisfying? And, and what makes trial lawyers different from other lawyers? And finally, what's it take to be a good trial lawyer? Okay. What makes it being so satisfying? <laughs> Try that one, one, I know. First one is, uh, it's it's satisfying to be a trial lawyer because of the impact that we can have on the lives of others and the way we can help others. Uh, really, uh, the the work that I've done personally, I could I could talk to you for a long time because I've been doing this 45 years. So I could talk to you a long time about individual cases where. What my firm and I have been able to do by virtue of me being a lawyer uh, to benefit individual citizens, uh, it, it just, it's, it's so incredibly rewarding. 
And today, some of my best friends, my best friends that we have over for Christmas and that sort of thing, we have a Christmas party and that, are people that I represented as individual plaintiffs uh, 30 years ago, for, literally 40 years ago. And, and they're still friends today uh, because as a trial lawyer, I was able to make a, a big impact on their lives and uh, we bonded through that. And so the it's the the power to make a difference, and the power to make a difference for the average citizen, uh, which to me is so much more rewarding than than finding a tax loophole for GE, which they've incidentally done a great job of. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but but it's very satisfying. It's also satisfying as as a trial lawyer for me to train other. Law, to train law students and to train and to teach uh, other lawyers. I've spoken in all 50 states uh, to trial lawyers organizations, and uh, that has been uh, very rewarding. Uh, I, I've, I travel around the country, and I've taught 7,800 students, and, and I have um, lawyers come up to me uh, after I give a speech and say, you know, I, I read this paper that you wrote and I use I use your cross examination paper and it just it really helped me in this trial or I I did something I heard you you say uh you recommend and it was really really helpful to me in, in my trial um and you realize that as a speaker and as a teacher the uh incredible influence that you have and I've had I've had one thing that's been really satisfying is is I've had uh, a number of people come up and say, you know, I really, I really, when I went to law school, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. But then when I heard you telling what trial lawyers do, I decided because of listening to you and being in your class, I decided to be a trial lawyer. And I've had a great career as a trial lawyer, and, and it's worked out very well for me. But, I mean, it's you have a power, you have the the ability to truly influence others and change their lives for the better. You know, you know, Howard. It's very interesting to hear you talk like that. Uh, it, obviously, you're you're a satisfied uh, lawyer with a career. When a young when a young lawyer says, Howard, what what are some of the keys to being a good trial lawyer? What, what are some of those key elements that you see uh, that each good trial lawyer seems to have? Well, communication skills, is a starting point. Uh, first of all, love the law. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, every great, truly great trial lawyer I've known has been very fundamentally strong in the law. Uh, law careers begin with law. And I hear, you know, I hear these guys say, you know, I haven't read a case since I uh, passed the bar exam. Uh and that's that's ridiculous. The foundation of a legal career is the law. You have to know and keep up with and and understand and love the law. Uh, and then you take the law and you apply. Then you use all these other skills to achieve the results that you want to achieve with a jury trial or mediation or whatever else. But Percy Foreman was one of the greatest trial lawyers that ever walked on this planet. And Percy, uh, he was one of my heroes when I was a kid. 
and Percy said, I talked to him about this, and, and he, he said, when I walk into a courtroom, I know two things better than anyone else in, in the world. Number one, I know the law that applies to my case better than anybody on the planet. Secondly, I know the facts of my case. There's nobody you can name who knows the facts of my case better than I do when I walk into a courtroom. I mean, it's just basics. There's no magic formula. It's basics. And so you know the law. You know you know your facts. And you truly have to love what you're doing. And you have to believe in your case. If you don't believe in your case, then get the hell out of the way and let somebody handle a case who does believe in it. Because if you don't believe in it, the jury will see that. No question. And, they, and, and why, why should they believe in it if you don't? And and so it's but then you you acquire skills and it's 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 a perpetual ongoing always learning never stop learning never stop trying to improve. I tell young lawyers in law school that don't don't be intimidated when you go to court in your first trial and the guy on the other side of the on the at the defense table uh, has got 20 years of experience. Because as often as not, he doesn't have 20 years of experience. He has one year of experience 20 <laughs> times. Exactly. And it's the difference of the people who keep up. And you, it is the legal profession is is and being a trial lawyer is perpetual, ongoing education. And I've spoken in all 50 states, and I've taught 7,800 students for one very good reason. I absolutely force myself to stay ahead of the curve. And that's I do stay ahead of the curve, and that's how and that's why. Well, it's obvious that you have. Uh, you can hear it in your voice, and you can hear it in your passion, and uh, we really appreciate the p- folks like you standing up for the for the people in this country that, uh, that need the kind of help that you provide. So, Howard, if someone wants to get in touch with you and, uh, and your organization, how would they do that? Well, uh, my website is simple. It's www.howardnations.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have offices in Houston and Denver. We're opening a new office in Atlanta soon. We have offices. Uh, we office in New York. I'm admitted in New York, mm-hmm. uh, but you can reach us through our 800 number, which is one eight hundred two six nine three zero five zero. Terrific, Mike. How would someone get a hold of you? Well, my office is in Chicago, Ringler Associates, and uh, the number is one eight hundred three three two zero four two seven. Terrific. Howard, it's been a privilege and an honor. Oh, absolutely, Howard. And uh, let me remind our audience also that if uh, anyone wants to reach any Ringler Associate, you can do that on ringlerassociates.com. And if you want to listen to this show or any Ringler radio show, you can do it on ringlerassociates.com or on legaltalknetwork.com. And you can go in there and uh, download the show right to your iPod, uh, put those little earbuds in, and Howard, you can walk around... uh, the park in Houston there and listen to this show or any show on Ringler Radio just by uh, doing that. I think it's pretty neat. And uh, you mentioned the media and trying to educate uh, your young lawyers. I think with the new media we have today, it's uh, it's a much different world. And uh, I know you guys are probably right on the cutting edge of that as well. Well, let me mention one last thing to you, which is that uh, I've been doing structured settlements since they, uh, for forever since they really became on the came on the marketplace in a big way and I've I've dealt with Ringler on many 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 occasions and absolutely no one in the industry does it better than Ringler. Well, well we could, we couldn't ask for a better endorsement than that and Howard uh, we wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors and uh, 
all the rest of you out there who have been listening, go out and have a great day. Thanks for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. In its sixth year on Legal Talk Network, with over a half a million listeners, Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.